Should you take that? Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm Allie Grant. And I'm just you. Welcome to Follow Me, your resource for all things influencer. Brought to you by B Social Group. Now, let's see who we're following this week. Styled content is really the tip that I would give to creators. Like, don't be afraid to just batch a bunch of stuff. Like, whether it's flat lays of your skincare, your makeup, get all those photos and you can be sharing them then as people ask. Like, you can, I think looking at what people are asking for in your DMs is huge. Hey guys, welcome to the Follow Me Podcast, your resource for all things influencer marketing. Today, we are so excited to chat with the founder of Sway Social, Callan Hamilton. But first off, Jess, who or what are you following this week? Oh, I thought I would put you in the hot seat and ask you, how are you? You're going through really exciting life changes as we talked a little bit about on the episode. Oh, we're talking about wedding planning? Yeah. Wedding planning, remodeling, you're making a company, et cetera. Yeah. My third full-time job is wedding planning and international wedding. But yeah, just started that, which has been fun. Yesterday, I worked on getting everyone's contact information through this website called Zola. So like to plan a wedding, like you need everyone's emails, their addresses, like their phone numbers, all this information. And I just like don't have that from every like, you know, I, just, I don't know. Do you have like your friend's addresses and stuff? I have like my best friend's addresses. If I want to like send them something for my birthday, I have it like on my notes app. Is that weird? (laughs) No, I mean, I think that's smart. Like, I think that is super smart. I I feel like every time I have to send something to someone, I'm like, what's your address? And it's like, in like I ask them every year. (laughs) I do not have it in a place that lives somewhere. Are you a bridezilla? I can't imagine you being. No, but like, I'm such a, like I'm an event planner by like, you know, like I have a job in this industry kind of, you know? So I feel like I, I know what I want and I'm going to be like kind of a perfectionist about the whole thing. I kind of think that makes a wedding planner's job easier, right? You knowing exactly what you want and you're being there like, no, I want this. I don't want this. Like a decision maker. Yeah. And also having like kind of a point of view on it. Like, no, I want these, these flowers because I like these flowers and not being like, I don't know. I just want pretty flowers. So I don't know. Exactly. We'll see. But yeah, it's kind of a lot. It's just nearly starting. I have like a full, like less than a year, but the international piece like adds another component to it. But I'm excited. I'm really like thrilled to start, start the process. I just know it's like kind of time consuming. Yeah. And you're merging a company. (laughs) Yeah. And remodeling a house. Remodeling a house is like also a thing that like no one talks about probably because it's just drives you mad, but. What's your favorite? My favorite thing I'm working on? Yeah. My TikToks. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I didn't know that was an option. I thought it was That's from- like my main focus is my TikToks, to be honest. Are you sharing all this TikTok? I, no. My TikTok is so niche. It's just creator tips. Like I haven't, I haven't been able to add lifestyle content to it yet, but that's something maybe Kaylin, Callen <laughs> can help me with the content creator behind the scenes. Okay, let's get into our guest. Callan Hamilton was working in corporate recruiting in Austin, Texas, when she first decided to take her love for project and talent management and venture into the influencer management realm. She moved to Nashville, Tennessee, where she got started in project management, helping influencers effortlessly execute their campaign deals, learning all things affiliate marketing and creating memorable content. 
After quickly recognizing a gap for these services in the influencer space, she decided to create a solution. As a reliable partner with a high level of service, Callan's client list continued to grow and Sway Social was born. So we actually work with Space Social at Be Social with some of our clients. So a few of them use her on retainer to help them with their affiliate marketing, which in this episode, we like really dive into how to be successful in affiliate marketing, why you should do affiliate marketing as a creator. You know, I love some LTK. What else do we talk about in this episode, Jess? Callan really provides kind of the insight into why you should hire a team. We're always saying this, you know, rely on a team of people to grow your business because it just gets the pie to be bigger. And she works with, you know, a whole slew of people with like micro creators to macro creators. So I think she has really some smart insight into your business and into building it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I think this episode is interesting if you're a creator or even if you work in influencer marketing, just kind of understand the behind the scenes of what it takes to be a successful creator. And she has some really good tips and tricks. So let's get into it. Helen, I'm so excited for you to join Follow Me Podcast because we work together. We've been working together for a couple of years now, a year. Am yes, I, like, I was thinking that about number? that. No, I think it's been a little more than two years now, which is crazy. So I remember you like reached out to me and you were so buttoned up with like your pitch. You asked to meet me. You got me coffee. Like you were so clearly like determined to kind of like get things going. And I feel like you were really intelligent to not target influencers directly for your service, which you might do a little bit of that, but you went to the management companies that represent creators to get the creators to work with. Was that part of like your strategy? Yeah. Well, I kind of feel like it had to be because. What we do is a little bit different than, I mean, now there's, a, a, you know, more agencies popping up doing kind of like our style of work. But before it was really hard for us to distinguish that we weren't trying to compete with agencies who book the deals and do what y'all do. And so I felt like unless we could kind of get in front of a management company and explain and like talk about how, you know, my vision is for us to partner together, it was really hard to then get that connection to the talent. So for us, having strong relationships with management companies is so important. And it makes, I feel like it makes us more successful. And it's like great for the creator to be able to have a team that works cohesively on building their brand as a whole, rather than just like transactional projects or like, you know, one-off deals or whatever. And so it was part of the strategy for sure. And that is so interesting because it was right, pretty much right when we started. I was working on the side for a creator for like a year on the side of my corporate job. And then I think it was maybe about four months into me doing this full time that you and I met. So it was right at the beginning and it has grown like crazy since then, which has been such a blessing. So how big is your team now? There, I have 10 employees. And so, yeah, it's grown like crazy. I think we're about to have 30 clients. We're nearing right up to that threshold. So it is just like, has been exponential, which is great. And to your point, like so much of that comes through management companies. It's like once we are working on one person together, and you have a strong relationship, it's a lot easier to grow from there. Pretty much all of our businesses through referrals, either from management companies or talent talking to their friends. I guess for people who don't know, listening to this, what do you do for creators? What is your business model? Yeah. So Sway Social is the company and we do, I would say it kind of started in more project management. So execution of campaigns. So once they agree to a deal, we'll do the behind 
the scenes work of going back and forth with the management company about all of the details of the messaging, the brief, when things are due, when they're going live, actually taking the content live, editing it, revisions, all those sorts of things. Even down to like submitting insights afterwards. I know that there are just like so many pieces of the puzzle that creators like they're creatives and they don't want to spend their time doing those like little mundane tasks. So outsourcing that can be great. So that's kind of, we started more in the project management realm and it has grown into a lot because really my vision for it is that we could be a one-stop shop for creators for all of the little one-off needs that it's like, where do I go when I need somebody to do XYZ? So now we're doing in-person content creation and for people who are virtual or who aren't local to us, we send shot lists of, that are completely customized to each creator of trending audios and ideas. They, and exactly like what shots they need to shoot. We handle all the editing. We build content calendars, including copy. And we do all the posting and we can handle community engagement. We do affiliate strategy. I know we work together on that kind of stuff. But really building a case study for creators to be able to show their selling power and then obviously earn revenue along the way. And then we now have a brand's division that does full scope socials and photo shoots and paid ads for brands. And that kind of, as more and more creators are having their own clothing lines or whatever it is, that kind of was just a natural extension for us. So it's been fun to see the scope of what we do grow. I think too, like a lot of creators, they need to understand like what they're good at. And also like outsource in those areas, like you were talking about all the logistics, the nitty gritty, the analytics, where it kind of gets past the wayside, but are really important parts of the business. And I love that you're helping creators kind of build that and like build it into something bigger and into their own businesses. Yeah, because I think it gets to a point where you can only scale your business so much on your own. And so with the amount of content people have to put out now, like, to be seen in the algorithm and to keep up with trends and all the things. It's like they no longer have the time to be handling these like little details the way that they maybe once could. And so it's interesting because I feel like some creators have, you know, they hire people in house and that's a great route for some people. But that managing a team in itself is a whole nother job to take on. And so it's not always the best solution for someone who's trying to practically free up time in a tangible way. So outsourcing to a company like us, I think can be really beneficial because we have a workflow. They're not having to train us. I mean, we obviously, there's so much to learn about each person, their voice and their style. So there's a learning curve there, but they're not having to teach us the basics or, you know, train us on how to do the job, which I think, you know, puts them leaps and bounds ahead of trying to do things in-house for certain people. So I also think that's the hardest part, right? Training someone is in a job in itself. Whereas like your team just kind of is like very turnkey. Yeah. And managing that is one thing that was such a surprise to me, even with starting a company. Like I just had no idea how much work goes into company culture and all the things that really matter. And so when your job is to be a creator, it's so intense. That's a lot to take on. I feel like Colin, you probably have the same thing. It's like, you're really good at what you're good at, right? Like you're good at managing content, being creative, doing these things. And then now all of a sudden you have an employee that you now have to mentor, to grow, to meet their needs, make sure they're feeling satisfied and all of those things. And that's like a whole other set of learnings and capabilities. And I feel like you started your business 
early, right? How old were you when you started your company? 25. Yeah, I was 24. Yeah, I think it was like the month before my 25th birthday when I technically like started the official business, but I didn't make my first hire until I was 25. And I was in the corporate world before. And so it was just so different. And it was a great experience to have because I think I learned a lot about things that really do encourage and motivate a team and also things that don't. And I think that was really helpful coming in and deciding like it, it's a fun thing to get to decide like this is how I want our team to operate. And this is the atmosphere that I want us to like foster and create. And also like that gets to be an extension, you know, our clients like this, this is the kind of work that we do and the integrity that we have. I think that's something that like, to me has been such a crucial piece of the puzzle because there's a, it's a very saturated industry now. And I think you can tell when you meet certain people, you can point out who's genuine and who really cares and like feels aligned with like your values. And so that's one thing for me, like looking for creators who are great people and that we love to work with and being able to honestly tell them like, nobody's going to care about your business more than we will. And like, nobody's going to be in your corner more than we will. And we take that. It's like such an honor that people pass over, you know, things like editing and socials and graphics and all the things to us because it's their brand and it's their business and we take that seriously. So I think there were so many things I learned from the corporate world, but getting to apply it in my own way has been really fun and exciting. So yeah. Have you had any like rough employee moments like where you're like, oh my gosh, what am I doing? Yeah. Well, I feel like it's so interesting because to your point about it being a whole other skill set, it's like, I am the type of person, I don't mind confrontation. Like, I don't love it. I'm not going to be like seeking out hard conversations. But I think that one thing that has helped overall and kind of eliminated a lot of hard situations is that I really love what's on the other side of confrontation enough to initiate those conversations. So it's like having really open lines of communication has helped us a lot with, you know, avoiding tough situations. But there are obviously always things. And I think as a leader, it's like my goal to, in each situation, understand like where I could improve and like what my learning experience is like as an individual. And then also know that a lot of the people on my team are young and this is either, you know, one of their first jobs or their first job. And like nobody stays in a job for their whole life anymore. And so I want them to grow and leave whenever they leave better. And I want to like mentor them and develop their skills. And I think that isn't motivating to me because I wouldn't be doing any of them a service if I didn't hold them to a high standard or have hard conversations. And so I feel like we've been really lucky with having an amazing team and the things that we're navigating are more for like development and growth, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, that totally makes sense. I think over communicating like in management as a manager or even as an employee, like if you're somebody's assistant or whatnot, like over communicate, like if your boss tells you something to do and you've done it, tell them you've done it. Like I've done this, I'm done. You know, like it's just like the more you say, the better on like both ends. And as a boss too, it's like transparency over communication, just like being clear and succinct with what you're saying is also super important. So that's been like my probably biggest lesson through management is like over communicate, even though you don't feel like it, or you are unsure if it's the right thing to say. Or you think something might be like obvious 
but like it turns out it's not obvious. (laughs) That's the thing. Totally, totally. The amount of times where I've been like an employee will say something to me and be like, oh, I just like assumed that was known, but like assuming is like the worst in management. Like you cannot assume anything. You have to over, over communicate, but. Yes. And I think too, it's like with clients, that's a big thing for us because we might assume that they are, you know, going to be doing one thing or expecting us to do one thing. And it's so important to be really clear and set expectations so that everybody's happy. And like, I think that sets both people up for success, but it is interesting because I feel like, I don't know if it's as women or maybe it's just a me thing, but it can be hard to be direct. Like in the beginning, I feel like I was a lot less direct than I am now. And then again, I feel like it, I learned that was just a disservice to people that I was working with because they were not clear on what I was expecting from them. And so it's actually the better and kinder thing to do to draw a more clear line. And so, yeah, I've learned a ton and I'm still learning a ton, but it's you learn at such an accelerated rate when you're like, you know, in this industry and doing it on your own. And while juggling, like try and keep the lights on and trying to grow your business. And also like when you're in the service industry, like we all are, it's like you have that need, your employees, your team, all of that. But then you're also servicing clients who are like, you also have to manage and you also have to manage expectations and communication and all of that. So, and then the service industry in general, no matter like what niche you're in is demanding, but when it's something that's social media and never turns off, that's a whole other thing too. So how do you balance that? Because like, I feel like I'm on like text chains with you or whatnot with clients. And it's just like, can you send me this at like 9pm at night? How do you juggle that? It's a lot of text. I think it's well, one thing that's interesting is like also navigating time zones, because creators are everywhere. And so we have team members in different time zones, too, but it doesn't always line up. So sometimes it's like, we're in Nashville, and it's evening and an LA client, it's like, definitely still working hours. So they're not doing anything wrong by reaching out or whatever. But it's just balancing like, some things feel really urgent and aren't. And some things do need to get it's a fire that needs to be put out immediately. So I think that's kind of a learning curve when you first start doing this. And as I'm training people and whatever that you have to kind of be able to start to decipher, like what can wait. And like, that is one thing that I remember at my corporate job, like they would say sometimes like, it's okay to let something burn, like certain things can like, you can let it burn until the morning or whatever. And then there are certain things that you need to go handle it immediately. So I would say learning to distinguish those things have been really important for me. And also going back to what we were saying about setting expectations. Like I think being clear with people about like what kinds of things were available for after hours is very helpful for them too. Because a lot of times people don't want to overstep, but like we do the posting. So it's like most people's peak posting times are in the evenings or Sundays or you know, if it's affiliate work, a lot of stuff, it's sales on the weekends. And so I think the most helpful thing for us is prepping as much ahead of time as possible. So whether it's getting content plans approved, whether it's like doing our research, so we know exactly what sales are happening, and we can be pulling products and figuring out how we want to be packaging that a lot of stuff can be prepped ahead of time. So that's like our goal is to always be working ahead so that when we are posting or logging on after hours, it's quick. And it's not something where we're like behind a computer from 7am to midnight every day. And I think too, because it's so hard to step away, like for time off or whatever it is, and like set those boundaries, but like you come back stronger, and it really does make you better at your job. And so I think, as a leader, 
with my team, even it's like so important to me that they actually unplug because they come back better and it's like better for the company. It's better for their clients, better for everybody. So as hard as it is, it's like helpful to hold each other accountable for that. What are things that you do for your clients to help them grow on Instagram right now? Because I think everyone is freaking out that their views are low. They're not growing. Like what are some like kind of quick tips that you're telling clients? A few things come to mind. So we have several clients that are seeing a lot of growth right now. And a lot of them are in the food space. And so that's really interesting that I think that's like a niche that people are really loving right now. So even if that's not your normal type of content, I think there's a way to incorporate an element of of that into even if it's stories, like I think being active on stories is so important. And people a lot of times assume that nobody cares what their like step by step of their day is, but people do. And so I think just starting with consistency in sharing the mundane things. Like if you don't think it's interesting, people probably still are interested in what you got at the store or you're getting your nails done, have people help you pick the color. Like it all seems easy or maybe like, is anybody actually going to engage with that? But they do. And obviously interactive elements are always helpful. I think when it comes to video content, obviously the algorithm is, they're adjusting it a little bit to account for photos more now, which is great. So I think photo dumps are a really easy way to be putting content out. But I do think video can be so strong and it can take you so far. Like one thing that we're suggesting to people is repackaging the same content. So trying to really make the most of their time and whether it's doing a certain edit for TikTok versus like a different edit for Instagram to kind of like target those different audiences or even like a lot of people have are putting out amazing content on Instagram and the algorithm just isn't hitting it. Repurpose it, edit it a different way or circle it back if it's evergreen and try it again. Like I think just taking note of what's working and not working and trying to pivot. But I also think it comes down to, and I tell people like a lot of times it's not that deep. It's like sometimes something might not hit and like people get really down or they'll feel really defeated. And it's like, consistency is key. So like, as long as you don't quit, you're going to be okay. So keep going at it. And like, don't take it personally, or let it defeat you. If something doesn't perform well, just like, keep going. Because it's also a lot of times people are like, what do I need to do to perform? And if it's going to be something that isn't natural to them, it's not going to come across as authentic. And it's not going to be something that's sustainable for you if it's not true to who you are. So I think there's, it's important to find a balance of like, what's working for other people? How can I kind of make that my own? And then also what inspires me and what do I get excited about creating? And I think really like focusing on that is, is crucial. I read some article on Business Insider and it was about this girl's key to success. And she said, I just don't chase virality. Like I just don't even care about how many views or how much engagement my content gets. Like I've become a creator because I like creating content and I just post what I want to post. And that methodology has allowed her to just grow organically because it probably feels so natural. It seems like, you know, people like to engage with it. So I thought that was interesting. And And I think looking at things like from a zoomed out lens, like it's okay to look back and see what's performing and what's not. And okay, these videos had a lot of views. Is there a tie I can draw from those? And these were low. Is there some sort of correlation there? Rather than looking at it video by video and like being so in the weeds, like I think that a zoomed out view can be really helpful and encouraging and actually more productive long term. 
I think your audience can tell too. Like if you feel burnt out from creating and if you're always chasing the engagement and the views, your audience is so perceptive and I think it comes off as forced sometimes. So it can bite you in the butt. Yeah. You know what I'm so sick of is, and I feel like it's finally winding down. Like I feel like the height of it is gone, but trending videos, everyone replicating the same trend and just doing it in their own way. I'm so sick of that. Yeah. I feel like it's so hard too, because everybody wants to be like right up on, like you have to get it and then it's gone when really it's like, that doesn't build a brand. And that's, I think, one interesting thing about TikTok is people take off with one video and they, you know, have a ton of views on a video, but it's not actually really translating into something they can monetize if it's just this trend that doesn't actually have their anything about them tied to it because they're just another person doing the trend. Yeah, that we've seen that like with a lot, we get a lot of inquiries, obviously, for talent to be managed by us. And some of them are like very large TikTokers with like millions and millions of followers, but all their content is just trend content. It's just like chasing trends, music sounds, all of those things. And that's like really hard to monetize. Like it's brands don't want that. Well, yeah, it's and they don't convert. It's like, why is somebody going to be motivated to shop through your links or whatever, when you're not really telling a story or where I don't feel connected to you as a follower or a viewer. So it is interesting because it has to be part of your strategy in some ways. Like you have to be understanding what people are looking for and engaging with. And that's the shot list that we create for people or when we shoot with clients. I think it's, we always try to really understand like what inspires them, kind of like I was talking about. And then also a lot of them aren't scrolling or don't have the time to like know what is happening and like what the pulse is right now. And so we'll kind of point them in a direction of like, here are some things we'd love to see you create or that we think you could kind of put your own spin on. And even like, here's some ideas of like how I think you could spin this so that they have that element of the trends and the audios. Cause there is something to say for putting an audio that's trending over a reel. It's like, that is helpful, but that being part of your strategy and not your whole brand. You mentioned earlier, and obviously like this is how we work with you on most of the clients that we share, but you run affiliate marketing for creators. So is your go-to platform for affiliate LTK? Yeah, I think LTK and Amazon Associates are the primary ones that we use. Okay. So you don't use Collective Voice? No. And there are several that we've you know, tried and there are pros and cons to a lot of them. I think we have stuck with LTK because the product features that they release are typically more advanced or ahead of other platforms. And also the reporting has been great for us. And so there are, again, pros and cons to all of them. I think the Amazon Associates program is great because they have flat fee structures, they have gift card programs, and their tracking is a little bit different. But you can see a little bit more clearly about exactly how many orders have been placed, if they've shipped yet, because the money counts as commission once the item has shipped. And so you're kind of able to keep a better in-the-moment eye on exactly how things are converting. And then the payout window is shorter than some other retailers. So that's another nice thing about Amazon. But we try to keep it pretty streamlined. And this would be my recommendation to creators is instead of using a lot of different platforms, like that really splits your data. So try to consolidate as much as you can because it you'll have stronger a stronger story to tell about your selling power, about the brands that you're converting for, about what you know types of items you're converting for, whether it's beauty or whatever you want as much in one spot so that 
you can take that and your agency can use that for your advantage for pitching and rates and all the things. And if you're using a ton of different platforms, the story just gets a little bit diluted. And what about other tips to like using affiliate? Like I feel like people, I always see like, yeah, I'm on LTK, but like, I don't really use it. I use it once a month. You're not going to make any money like without consistency, right? Yeah. I think consistency is a huge thing. I think a lot of times what we, and this has changed since I started doing this even a couple of years ago, graphics don't cut it anymore. It's like it used to be you could make this roundup and it would convert, but everybody has somebody making roundups for them or is making their own roundups now. And so they are beneficial, but it really should be viewed more as like tying up with a bow, the content that you're already producing. So a way to kind of visually wrap a series or a story set or highlight brands that you've already been talking about. Like I think using it more strategically is really important. So styled content is really the tip that I would give to creators. Like don't be afraid to just batch a bunch of stuff. Like whether it's flat lays of your skincare, your makeup, get all those photos and you can be sharing them then as people ask. Like you can, I think looking at what people are asking for in your DMs is huge. And using those to link, having everything live on your LTK or your Amazon storefront, like keeping those updated is really important because if you do, you can be driving people there without having to constantly feel like you're selling, selling, selling. Because the people who are interested in buying can go there and find everything they need rather than you trying to like link 10 links in a row on your Instagram story and not everybody's interested in that. So on LDK, it's collections, product sets. You can even put reviews of the items. So you can talk about the sizing and the fabric and anything that that's going to help with sales. The more people are able to know about something, if you're able to give personal experience with something that always converts really well. And then the one thing that I don't think a lot of people utilize is, you know, you can on LTK use a graphic and link multiple items. You can do the same thing on Amazon. You can do your idea list that you can put a photo or a video up and link items to just that video and share that as well. So I think consistency is key. Styling your content is key. And then adding a personal touch to the things that you're sharing, like why you like it, noting that you actually have it and how you styled it or those little things that are going to set you above and beyond. And then the graphics can kind of bring everything together rather than being the key piece of the puzzle. What is like the most money you've seen in a month from a creator just on affiliate in terms of like revenue that they're making and then I guess driving? So not every platform, like for example, LTK doesn't tell you what the total like purchase revenue wise. It just shows you your share where Amazon shows you the shipped and the like actual profits. It's such a range too. And that's one thing that's really interesting and like a tip for creators is your engagement matters so much more than your following. And so it all comes down to conversion. And the conversion is actually, even somebody who has really strong conversion is going to have, it's a low number. It's going to be around 1% is like a good conversion number. Like 1% of your following is buying from you? Is that what you're saying? 1% of like, like let's say an LTK will calculate your order conversion and of who clicked, it's like clicks versus orders. And people can be really su- uh, successful with anywhere from, you know, well, it depends on their following. It could be really low, but if they're following, if the views are high, then it, it works. But around 1% is a great conversion amount. And if you think about how many eyeballs you have to have to then make a certain amount of money, it just goes to show like that you really need to be creating like a community with your followers and gaining the trust so that they're motivated to trust you and buy the things that you're sharing about. 
But I would say in terms of revenue, gosh, in terms of profits, like we have, we've seen it all. There are people who make a few hundred dollars a month to 30, 40,000 plus a month. There are people who are millionaires just on LCK alone. Like it is crazy. And so then when you think about it being what you're earning the brands, it's crazy. And I think that's one of the reasons that we love to partner with management companies is because that's such an added value for y'all's toolkit to be able to pitch. And we can even reverse engineer the process. So I think we've done this a couple of times on people where it's like, y'all need stats on a certain thing, or y'all are maybe going to pitch a certain brand. And then we can include that in the content and include that in the plans and strategize, kind of reverse engineer that whole process. So I think obviously the value is earning money, but it's also building so much more like looking at it. Yeah. Building so much more and looking at like playing the long game with where you want to take your brand. Yeah. We push all of our creators to get on LTK or Amazon affiliates or some sort of affiliate platform because that data is so important to us as the sellers of their content to show conversion and just show proof of concept that look, this person can sell your product. I saw this stat. It was in 2022, creators sold $3.6 billion worth of goods to LTK alone. And think about all the platforms that are out there. I mean, Amazon is probably like triple that number from their affiliate program. They also like let more people on it than LTK. They're a little bit more picky. So it's wild. Yeah. And I think it's interesting too, as the industry is shifting now and brands are getting more selective, like it used to just be, I feel like they weren't maybe as focused on ROI. It was like exposure and they would just pay influencers and whatever. Now I feel like there's a little bit more intensity on their end and wanting to see the return. And so it's all the more reason that you have to be able to prove proof of concept before even being able to get those partnerships anymore where that used to be before it was so saturated, that wasn't as much of a case. Totally. No longer are the campaigns for brand awareness. All the brands are asking. Right. Miss those days. (laughs) I know. That's the first thing they ask now. It's like, hey, like, great. She has a million followers, but what are her link clicks? What are example conversion data that she has? Like, it's the first thing they ask now. You can't even get around it. And it's hard, I think, for creators because... Affiliate stuff, it's so crucial, like as we were talking about, but it is one thing that can just go to the back burner. It's like there technically isn't a deadline. There technically isn't a, like a requirement to do it. And so when they're looking at their schedule and something has to go, that's the thing that goes. But again, it's like that just is hurting you in the long run. And so there are times I think when it's so valuable to outsource it and we love to jump in and, and help people with that. And then there are times too where I'll shoot someone straight and say, I don't think like the payoff would be there for you yet. I think, you know, here are my tips, get started. We would love to work with you. But like, I think at this point, it's something you can manage on your own. And so I think there's a way to navigate it regardless of how big or small your business is, but it needs to be a part of your business. Talent, you have clients that you have like a certain threshold of followers or engagement rates that you work with, or is it kind of just, you know, micros and macro all above? It's a wide range. I think the more we've grown, we've become a little bit more selective, mainly because we've seen who we're most successful for. So it's not really based on following alone. I think we typically have a conversation and talk through a number of things, one of which is following. But like I touched on, engagement is so important that like we have people who have a fraction of the following as some of our top followed people. 
but they make way more money because there are a lot more people that are motivated to buy from them. And so we never really go off of following alone, but I think story views are really important. We love to see link clicks. That's something that typically we can grow depending on how they're utilizing links before we start. And I think engagement on even video content, just having an understanding of like, are their followers engaged before they activate us to take over strategy and editing and all of those things. We want to make sure that that need or that audience is there for it to consume it. And so I would say more than following, we honestly look at, and I feel like brands are probably in the same place right now, story views and consistency with posting. Like affiliates specifically, a lot of times people are like, I really want to start sharing more. And it's like, well, if you're not posting your stories organically ever, we're not just going to start popping in links. Like that's not going to work. So that's another like deciding factor for us when talking to potential clients. Well, this was so helpful. I like, hopefully someone listening can use your services and reach out or at least, I also feel like a lot of people want to do what you do. Like, I think a lot of people like just graduating college are like, I want to be behind the scenes for creators. And it's such like a multifaceted, exciting career to get into. So maybe reach out to you to get a job or intern with you or? Yes, definitely. Our website has a little bit more information. It's the thesweysocial.com. But it's all changing so rapidly that especially to, to your point of working in the industry, I didn't even graduate that long ago and we didn't learn about influencers or creators. So it's exciting to see it all grow. Yeah. I'm like, I guess it's like at that point who would be going to teach it? Like they need to be bringing in people from agencies. I don't know, but I'm sure that's changed by now. I feel like, I mean, I'm in my thirties and like when I went to college, I actually learned about like social media, but not as much like influencers. But I feel like that was like the first time they started like teaching social media in school, which now it's like a full-fledged like major, I imagine. So, well, where can people follow you? My Instagram is Callen Boyer, C-A-L-L-E-N-B-O-Y-E-R. And then our Sway Instagram is at the Sway Social. It's, we don't, advertise a ton just because we want to, you know, keep our clients work there. Well, and it's like, we want to be as behind the scenes as possible and let our work speak for itself over there, but you can find our roster and stuff there as well. So, well, thanks for joining us. This was great. Yes. Thanks for having me. Bye. Bye.